Live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. What's going on? Oh, hi. Did not see you there. Hello, dear listeners and J-Rod Concerts family. Welcome to our latest musical adventure coming from a scorching hot Nashville, Tennessee. My name, of course, is Jamie Rodriguez, musical journalist and host of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. This and every episode, guys. And we are so excited, guys, for today's guest. Um, He first came to our radar when we first moved to Nashville in late 2020 uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, he played guitar in one of our favorite records of last year, which was Elizabeth Cook's Aftermath. And that guitar is such an important part of that record, so it's phenomenal. And then, of course, we began realizing that our guest is a mainstay in Nashville music scene, widely admired, respected. His name, guys, is Andrew Leahy, and he plays in a band called Andrew Leahy and the Homestead, and uh, we welcome Andrew to the show. If you like Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, and of course you too, which you guys know I'm a huge fan of, prepare to indulge yourself in the music of Andrew because he is just absolutely incredible. He follows that lineage of, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in his sound, and he accomplishes it. He is just phenomenal. Rolling Stone has hailed him for its celebratory mix of storytelling, and he has played sold-out shows across the world, including Mexico, South Africa, Norway, and of course the U.S. I mean, his albums and his music is just outstanding, guys. Oh, and did I mention that he is one of the nicest music human souls ever? You guys are going to realize it. He is just an incredible guy. He's been through some health scares and he's overcome them with a, you know, with a fist bump and came out stronger and he's really an inspiring guy for many many reasons guys and it's no surprise that nashville loves him and please an honor to have him on j-rod concerts the podcast guys i encourage you to check out more on andrew Leahy by visiting andrewleahymusic.com and without further ado guys let's jump straight to it this is andrew Leahy of andrew Leahy and the homestead on j-rod concerts the podcast The man of the hour. What's going on, man? How you doing, Andrew? I'm good. I really like those U2 posters. Thank you, man. Andrew Leahy in the flesh, everybody. Look at you, man. So glad to have you with us, Andrew. How's everything going? Here. It's great. You know, just kind of getting my week going. Um, you know, I work at home as a music journalist, but I'm not playing music. So I was working all weekend in that capacity. So I'm also enjoying kind of a slower Monday than I usually would, which has been nice. Absolutely. And Andrew, you know, just to introduce you to the, maybe my audience that doesn't know you, I mean, you are a hit making machine. So let me just indulge uh-huh. them because you just make one after another. I mean, that's good, man. But check this one out. One after another, man. You just make magic. And if you think that one is good, check this one out. I mean, dude, I could go on forever, man. I could go on forever, man. You're just a a hit-making machine, brother. 
Well, we have, um, well, I appreciate that. We have a lot more on the way, actually. Uh, you know, we recorded a, like a double album and we're going to put it out in two parts. So like a, basically, you know, like a one album in October of this year and then one album, you know, probably early spring of next year. And uh, yeah, 18, 18 new songs. Hopefully you'll like those too. Absolutely, Andrew. And, you know, I have to tell you, you know, I've been in Nashville now eight months. Um, I was in Miami, basically Miami radio my whole life. And um, you quickly realize that reputation matters in this town, Andrew. You know, it all comes down to the timeless stuff, the timeless values, keeping your word, having an open heart, being a giving soul, Andrew. And you, Andrew Leahy, I have to tell you, not only are you really good musically, but at the quality of human, like everyone just raves about you in, in the human sense. And it's a oh, beautiful man. thing. I appreciate that. That is great. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> it it yeah, moves it's a lot. True. Yeah. It moves it's me. True. It's true, Andrew. And, you know, the other day I was watching a documentary about Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And those guys were so competitive with one another, Andrew. So I wanted to ask you, start there. You know, their downfall was their competition, um, sure. you know, rather than being collaborative, if you will. Uh, what is it about Nashville, Andrew, uh, that there's a genuine care and camaraderie between the bands, between the talents? Uh, that they want to lift each other up. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, you do have that, you know, the mentality of a rising tide floats all ships. I do think that you'll find competition in Nashville, but amongst, amongst, you know, communities like themselves, you know, I think, I think the real trick is to isolate what your community is. And then within that, you do everything you can to help, you know, like uh, your neighbors and your brothers rise up. Um, so, you know, even though I don't live in East Nashville, I feel like East Nashville is at least my musical community. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, a bunch of, you know, like the artists that, uh, you know, you, you saw me playing with at the Traveling Woolbury show last weekend, whose poster I have on my wall, you can't see it, but it's right over there. Oh, yeah, um, that's great. You know, I've played, I've played with a lot of them. You know, I play with Elizabeth Cook and her band. I have, you know, like I traded gigs with- You are the guitarist like, between this masterpiece, by the way, right here, guys. Yeah. So for, for the isn't audio audience, a, yeah. Isn't that a After good album? I love that album. Oh. Well, the guitar player is pretty decent in it, so yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, I play I play okay on that album because our producer was Butch Walker, who also played the Traveling Wilbury <laughs> show with us. And when your producer is a great guitarist, you know that you have to get up there and swing the bat, you know? But I think, like, that's indicative of what I was saying. I've already worked with all of these people in the past, and, um, you know, it just creates this, like, really circular collaborative community where you realize that, you know, like your own career, it's not some like linear path. It's like a circle where you can do all these other projects, everything, you know, can encourage other projects sure. and it's just more collaborative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, you my cat, my cat is scratching on the wall. I'm going to move him real fast. Hey, buddy. What's, what's your cat's name? Well, I have two. Like uh, this one is Lorenzo. Lorenzo. I have Lupe over here, but he knows that I'm like talking with another person. He's pretty <laughs> jealous, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, we have pets here. Don't worry, man. We get it, Andrew. And, um, you know, you asked about the Wilbury show. You mentioned that show. And, you know, that July 2nd, 2021, basically, Andrew. You know, I, I've seen some shows, Andrew. I've seen, I've seen some good shows in my lifetime. Uh, but, you, you know, you organized um andrew and uh, andrew Leahy and the and the homestead a tribute show to the traveling wilburys for my audience that doesn't know in nashville july 2nd and as the days go by andrew it just seems like it's like that was like an all-time show we talked about it off camera but man yeah. what a night that was what is the story with that show andrew because i think that that is a historic night that you created there i appreciate that um you know like traveling wilburys obviously the you know like uh, late 80s pop rock super group 
with like a Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynn, and George Harrison. Um, you know, I, well, I, I was asked by a guy named Mike Grimes who owns like here in town, uh, two music venues, one called The Beast and one called the, I'm sorry, one called The Basement and one called like uh, The Basement East or Beast like uh, for short. I was asked like, uh, by him if I would head up a Traveling Wilburys uh, tribute night. It was gonna be a benefit for an animal adoption agency here in town called East Can. And I think, um, you know, I've like, I have like a made no attempt to hide the fact that I really like Tom Petty. I play yearly Tom Petty tribute shows in town. Um, and my last album, Airwaves, was like, you know, completely a, not like a Tom Petty, like a ripoff, but I wanted like people to associate our music with his music because like he's, you know, kind of our guiding light. And so I think Mike Grimes at the Basement East realized that. And he asked if I could help, like, you know, uh, put this gig together. Um, you know, and there's plenty of tribute shows and kind of like all-star gigs like that um, in Nashville. And I wanted to make it unique. And I wanted to just uh, bring in everybody that I knew, you know, could resonate with like uh, that music. and would also just be like fun to play with because as a person, chill out, Lorenzo, I'm talking to Jamie. Sorry. <laughs> as a person who, uh, you know, like, who like uh, splits his career between playing with his own band and then playing with other people's band like I do, it's ideal like an evening where I can play my own songs or I can play songs where I'm like the front man and be like the guy, but then I can also help other people. I can be like a right-hand man. I can be a member of other people's bands. And so on Friday, July 2nd, I feel like I was a member of like 12 people's bands. Absolutely. It was, it was absolutely incredible. It was almost like overdose of fantasticness. That, that's why I think people have like, as the days go by and you look at the clips and everything, it's like, oh my God, yes, that did happen. You know what I mean? It was almost yeah. too much. Um, yeah. You know, I want to ask you about Tom Petty because I love Petty too, uh, Andres. I feel like we, we, we have the same musical taste. When, when he passed, yeah. uh, you know, how was, that must have been hard for you. It was. I was actually, I was like a, just speaking with Mike Grimes, who I referenced, like the owner of Basement East. Um, you know, when Tom Petty passed away, I think it was on a Monday. And by Wednesday, I was on stage at Basement East leading a night, you know, like like not unlike our Traveling Wilburys night, where like we were a house band and we had a bunch of guests coming in. And one of them was Elizabeth Cook. I had never met her before. Yeah. Uh, I think like uh, Mike Grimes, you know, just like uh, put her on the list. And it was like that evening that we got to play together and I got a spot in her band. We've, you know, ever since, I mean, we've played like hundreds of gigs uh, together. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of cool to have some kind of silver lining come out of Petty's passing, but I mean, clearly it was upsetting. He was a guy who, um, you know, I don't think he ever got bad. I don't think his band ever got bad. I think they were an ideal example of how you age gracefully in rock and roll because like each, you know, each like uh, new album was great and it wouldn't be chasing you know, some kind of anthem like running down a dream, like the like a tempos would like slow down a bit and get, you know, groovier and bluesier. Um, and it just worked. That worked with like a gracefully aging rock band. Like that's what they were. They were the ideal version of that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Andrew, I mean, you've had some, some, some health issues that you've overcome, but because yeah. of Tom Petty, because of Tom Petty, I am glad that you take care of, that you took care, that you took a time off for yourself and took care of yourself because I saw Petty in the last tour, 2017 in West Palm Beach, and he couldn't move. I, I love Tom mm. Petty, but he couldn't move. And I thought he was just getting old. In retrospect, now we know about his hips and all that stuff. But yeah, that was like the, I have to keep playing for the fans, you know, taking it too far, basically. Well, and his band too. I mean, I feel like he realized... Um... 
you know, well, he clearly had a great, you know, like a team and a label and everything. But, um, you know, when you are like the leader of all of that, you feel a responsibility to your band and to your audience and to like, everyone like who relies on you, like not only as a musician, but as an employer. So I can understand, um, you know, why he wanted to keep going out on the road. And, you know, he found some like a medication that made it possible, but, um, you know, it ultimately wasn't clearly. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And just to quickly touch on on your health because it's an important part of your journey. Um, you know, for my audience, you know, you had a you had a little bit of a scare there in 2013, a brain tumor. But yeah. but I love Andrew the way you live your life. You live it with gratitude, appreciation for the little things. On your social media, for example, you know, one can find you enjoying waterfalls and making great sure. jokes, making great jokes about the Eagles and 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 ET and couple goals and and, and just humorous like you know grateful stuff. What did this yeah. episode show you about, you know, just life and living each moment with gratitude and all that good stuff? My brain tumor episode? Sure. Um, it taught me everything about it, honestly. I mean, I think, um, you know, this is a poor analogy, but, you know, like, uh, you know, my wife is a veterinarian and left yesterday and went to Panama, where she'll be for a month and a half, like uh, working on animals in Panama. Um, and as much as I miss her, um, you know, I know that when Emily comes home, I will have like a renewed like uh, perspective on how great it is when my wife is here and how great it is like to have her in my life. I think I think when a thing is just always around and, you know, when a thing becomes, you know, like a normalized, you can't help but take it for, for granted, um, like your life, like your health, like your ability to hear. And so when I had a brain tumor, it was on my hearing nerve and all of that was like thrown into jeopardy all of a sudden I realized how great it is to like hear music. It wasn't just like music I enjoyed. It was the like act of hearing it. Um, you know, I had this kind of like 11th hour, like realization of how lucky I was. And then I knew that I was going to go into like this operation where I had a likelihood of coming out without my hearing, or at least without my hearing in my right ear. Um, and so I was worried I'd learned that lesson of appreciation too late. Um, and when I woke up, and I hadn't lost my hearing. I lost a bit of it, but um, you know, when I woke up and I had a bit of it left, um, it was just it was game on, you know. And uh, I try to keep that like renewed perspective with me. It's hard because I mean, within you know, within a couple months of my operation, I was getting upset about the trivial stuff again, and you know, like he's playing a cool show. Why am I not playing a cool show? Like that kind of stuff. But. I try at least once every gig to just like look out and just kind of, you know, kind of like step out of myself for one minute and realize like you're playing a show, you're like doing this weird coordinated artistic like dance with a bunch of other musicians on stage and it's awesome and people are watching it and there's this connection. And, um, you know, I don't think I would have had the wherewithal or the perspective to actually appreciate it had I not almost lost it, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And and it comes across, it comes across like when people see you on stage, at least when I see you on stage, it's, you get, you get that same vibe when you see Bono or Bruce Springsteen <laughs> or Petty, it, it, it just that human, even Chris Martin, I guess, it, it, sure. it, it just feels like there's like a warmth between your, you, your soul and the audience. It's really, it's a unique, cool thing, man. I love that. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big music fan as well. That's, I mean, it goes on both sides. So it's just, sure. um, you know, sure. I don't think with like a show, I don't really, you know, I like view it as like an audience and an artist. I view it as a group of like people who all enjoy one kind of music, one body of music, one band. Um, and it's just a joyous celebration of that. So why Definitely. not smile? 
And, and you know what? Let's segue into something there because the way you connect with your audience last year during the pandemic, you know, mm. everyone, everyone did live streams, you know, and there were some really good ones, some really good white web streams, but very few did them as good as you, Andrew Leahy. In fact, oh, you know, thank you. In fact, Polestar, you know, put you in a list as, you know, one of the best <laughs> charts, like, the, like you really connected on a weekly show, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, with your fans. Um, yeah, it was just, weekly for a year. Yeah. So how was that? And like, now that you're going to go out on the road with real people, like how, how, did, <laughs> how did that enhance the whole experience? I mean, um, I mean, it was amazing just to have like a thing that weekly I and the other, like the two guys in the band that I played it with, we had to prepare for it every week. It gave us, um, it gave us some kind of, you know, like a routine in a year that was completely, um, you know, chaotic otherwise. And yeah. also when you play a live stream every week, you know, we would play for like an hour or an hour and a half when you play weekly. I mean, you know, we only have a couple albums. We were playing through all our material and we knew that we couldn't keep playing like the exact same songs every week or people wouldn't, you know, continue to come back and watch. And so we came up with a lot of new songs. We learned hundreds of cover songs. I kept a Spotify playlist. It's well over 400 cover songs, which is just a, like mammoth amount of material, but it made us really inspired. It, you know, it kept us working at a time when it was hard to work as a band. Um, and I think it was because of that uh, kind of like prolific work pace, like that we were able to, you know, to like record a double album, like that's coming out. And so I think, you know, even though we are gonna, you know, you know, go out on the road and play to real people again, like you said, um, you know, I can hear like our upcoming albums and I hear the effect of the live stream in it, like just because it sounds like we're, you know, like got charged up again. It's all about it's all about that like a uh, renewed perspective. I feel like the live stream and the crazy year of 2020 is what gave us you know, like a perspective on how great it is like uh, to be in a band and to be able to make music and have people care that we're making music. I dig that, Andrew. I dig that a lot. And you, you're being so kind with your time. I definitely want to ask you a couple YouTube questions, but before that, you know, keep the, keep the car running. You know, it's you know what an amazing album that you're gonna put out. I mean, the little tidbits that are out. If that's how it's gonna yeah. sound like, man, drop the mic. But you know, the Hell story yeah. of that album, like take take us into, you know, 16-year-old Andrew Leahy driving around Richmond, Virginia, listening to the <laughs> FM radio, man. What were some of those songs, moments, you know, that uh I it's I, I can almost envision you like a dazed and confused, but like 90s version. Am I, <laughs> am I, mistaken? Oh, I appreciate that. No, I appreciate that. I wonder which character I'd be in that uh in that movie, but um, I love that movie. I'll yeah, get back I mean, to you on that, I, but it's, it wouldn't be McConaughey. I don't think so. Sure, okay, that's okay. Well, good, good. In that case, <laughs> I don't want to be McConaughey. Um, yeah, when I you know, when I was like a teenager, like that's probably when I was getting into classic rock. Um, you know, I grew up just like listening to like the pop radio. It was at a time like the late '80s and early '90s when, I mean, I think like pop radio was really good, and you could hear, you know, like you could hear like uh, Springsteen and Tom Petty and like Mellencamp on the top 40. It was a time when like rock and roll was like pop music, which was awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, playing music in the car, it's just always like, to me, it's like the greatest place to you know hear music. Cause you get to like hear music, you have this like landscape that's kind of constantly changing. It's almost like your own personal music video. Um, and uh, you know, as a, as like a traveling musician, you spend most of your time in the car. You spend so much more time in a car like than you spend on stage. Um, and so we always kind of, you know, try to make car driving music. Um, that's what we tried with airwaves and, um, hopefully that's what you'll get with the upcoming one too. 
Amazing. Amazing, Andrew. You've been so kind. Now, let me ask you about you too. My audience knows that, you know, I, I, I'm in the industry, but for you too, I'm a fan. My audience knows that. Me so too. exactly. We just can't help it. So I gotta, I gotta ask you a little bit about you too, man. Like how did you two come into your life? Man. I mean, like behind me, I've got my old like booklets of like CDs and like from college, yeah. I've got so many live albums of you two. I mean, you know, like everyone, I grew up and they were all over the radio. Um, I think probably their first album that I bought with my own money was Octane Baby. And I would have like been a kid at that point. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until I remember my high school girlfriend, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe like a mixtape and on it was a live version of With or Without You. And like now, like knowing, I mean, I'm a YouTube, I'm a YouTube like fanatic now. So now I can probably like, pinpoint like uh, that live version as being like late 87, you know, like probably one of like the concerts like that went on to like at the Rattle and Hum, you know, like right. album, but like not like that specific like uh, performance. But I was just blown away <laughs> by Bono's like power as a vocalist. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then when I, you know, I, you know, I got to college and I had like, well, like broadband internet for like the, like the first time ever. And that was in like the heyday of like LimeWire and Kazaa yes. and like Audio Galaxy. And so I would just go on and just get like hours of live YouTube music. Um, and it just blew my mind how good they were as a band and how like a lot of like these songs that aren't always completely realized on an album, like the latter half of an album, like trying to like throw your arms around the world or, you know, like Love is Blindness. You hear them live and they just sound so amazing. It was so great to, um, it was a great example in like a song, not like being like defined by its one performance on an album. A song, I think is like the sum of all its performances. Right. Um, and so now, I mean, I've seen, I've seen you two a bunch of times. I caught them for the first time on the All That You Can't Leave Behind tour, I guess it would be like the Elevation tour um, in Washington, DC and like a PJ oh. Harvey opened. Yeah. Um, caught them so many other times. I guess like my two like uh, greatest U2 concerts would be um, in Boston in uh, 2005. It was like right when I graduated college, like the week that I graduated college. Was we this were, in, like, December? in, the in December or, or no? No, I, I think it would have been, I think it was, I think it was in May of 2005. May, okay. okay or the okay. summer of 2005. We were like in the heart, like in the yeah. like ramp area. Um, oh. You know, I, I like remember I could like read the underside of Bono's shoes and they said soul. I thought that was really funny. Oh my um, God. That's and when great. they, and like when they opened up and confetti came down from the ceiling, I grabbed a bunch and put it in my wallet. And then I just yeah. had like confetti in my wallet for years. And the other great U2 show that I saw, I mean, like they were all great, but like the other greatest U2 show I saw was in 2011 in East Lansing on the Claw Tour. It was like a week yeah. before I moved here to Nashville. And I yes. thought they were just amazing. Like Bono was in great voice. And you know, it's like 2011 isn't viewed as like the golden era of U2, you know? And it was great to watch but, you know, a group like that was older, you know, continue yeah. to just absolutely kick butt. That show's pretty, it's pretty, it's in lore, you know, it, uh, they started with even Is better it? than the real thing, right? Yeah. 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 And there was like sunlight, there was a little bit of daylight when they started. It was yeah, weird. Yeah. In Michigan, but I lived in, you know, like in Michigan for a number of years. Um, you know, you're, you're like a pretty far West, but you're in East coast like at a time. And I think like, because of that, possibly it is like light outside for a long time in the summer. So I remember it was yeah. weird to watch you two in the daylight. I felt like yeah. it was like early eighties at some like, you know, like a festival or something where they were like low on the bill. It was weird to watch them, but um, so yeah, cool, what an man. amazing show. Also an amazing version of stay on that, on that show. Oh, 
so great, so great. Hot topic, uh, yeah. YouTube question, and Andrew, I'll let you go. What's your take on pop? You know, I like pop. Um, I think a couple of songs on pop were better realized live, which is what I mentioned earlier. I feel like Gone, I like more in a live context. I like I like the kind of call and response in the chorus of like The Edge, you know, going like, down. I like that. <laughs> um, and I think I like the like a remix of If God Would Send His Angels, like they came out on the single, I think. I think yeah. like a lot of albums, it seems like they spent a lot of time on a couple of tracks and made them sound amazing and had like other good songs that were not pushed to like the back burner, but weren't as realized when they had to get released. Um, but you know, it's um, it's also like a timestamp. It sounds it sounds late '90s uh, to me. And as a person who was around and like listening like to music in the late '90s, I don't mind that. But I can understand if you're a Joshua Tree purist, you listen to pop and you think, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Well, Andrew. You've said it all, man. I think, look, I could talk to you for 17 hours and you got stuff to do, but what can I say, man? It's, it's been an honor to connect with you. Uh, you're a great soul, great musical talent. Andrew Leahy and the homes. Everyone check you guys out, man. So thanks for everything, bro. I'm honored to be part of it, man. It was good Absolutely. talking to you. We'll be in touch. All right, buddy. Bye. See you. This has been J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.